A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Personal Podcast here uh, on Patreon, ad-free or with ads on the main feed on Friday. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you doing today? Kenny, I'm doing all right. The sun's shining. I've finished Inside the Ropes magazine. Well, not obviously all by myself. I've finished my <laughs> contributions to ITR magazine. So I'm feeling pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good, yeah, I'm good. We we put our tickets on sale last night for Trish Stratus in Glasgow in London and the response has been pretty good. So I'm looking forward to to those shows. Um and yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm feeling I don't I don't have the January blues. I know some people tend to have. Um I'm feeling I'm I'm gonna get my passport renewed tomorrow in time for WrestleMania, which means that what I'd forgotten about was I need to go and get the photo taken today. Which oh, means, right. you know, that's that's the photo that's going to be with me for the next 10 years. Oh, wow. So I need to, you know, see what I can do to this mug to make it a bit more, a bit less Glaswegian, a bit more bearable. But um, anyway, yeah, so I'm I'm good. Uh, but we should, there's lots of news, as there always is, for us to get into. And we should kick it off with, we now know what Sting's last match is going to be. His last match at Revolution is going to be him teaming with Darby Allen, which is what we pretty much knew it was going to be. But the opponents made their presence known last night on Dynamite after Sting and Darby had beaten Powerhouse Hobbs and Takeshita. And the opponents are the Young Bucks, Finn. Oh, yes, they're back. They're back. Holiday, got... Back from holiday. 
back from another holiday. They, they get a lot, they got a lot of holidays to do the Bucks. And um, it's provided a mixed response online, as you can imagine. So what do you think of them as the opponents? And if not them, who would you have put in their place if they are not the opponents you would like it to be? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people thought, I mean, firstly, I don't like them as Sting and Darby Allen's opponents. People will already know that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't like the Young Bucks. I don't want to watch them wrestle. If that's in, if that indeed is what they do in the ring, I just don't want to watch their tumbling and trampolining. Um, and I think those two, as opponents of Sting and Darby in Sting's last match, March 3rd Revolution, I mean, the event's already, it hasn't sold out. It's pretty damn close. Uh, I can understand why there's been a mixed response. I think people will be pretty upset. Um, I thought a lot of people... Figured it was going to be Sting versus Darby, you know, and Sting would then put Darby over. I mean, we came up with all these, you know, ideas for Sting um, going for the world title in his final match, you know, which I think would have been fitting and like retiring as champion. I think that would have been a really emotional story. Maybe Sting doesn't feel like he's up to it and maybe he's not up to it. So maybe that is the right course of action. But I do believe he could have had a singles match with Derby. And like Derby would have played Soul Heel. Um, Derby would have been booed. I mean, we know, we've seen that match before. We know that match story. And it looks like Sting's going to win. But in the end, Derby does. And then afterwards, they have the big hug. Sting endorses Derby. Sting, you know, marches off or totters off into the sunset. And Derby has that on his record that he's beaten Sting in Sting's last match. I mean, look at what it did for Baron Corbin. (laughs) Or King Corbin or whatever he was called at the time. But So say, for example, because I've said this for a long time, I don't think Sting thinks that he is up to a singles match, and that's why we've not got... You know, some of the matches that we've kind of put out there in the past, you know, the MJF match and all that kind of stuff. But if, if Sting did feel, I can't do a singles match, it has to be a tag with Darby and I, are there other opponents for them as a team that you think would have been better? Or is this the best option based yeah. on that? Basically, any other two members <laughs> of the AEW roster, with the exception of Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, anyone else on the roster would have been better than those two. Anyone. I mean, their whole style just does not mesh or complement or... Where's the chemistry between Sting and the Young Bucks? I mean, I hope I'm proven wrong on the night. The I mean, only thing, I mean, because I'm, people know I, I feel the same way as you do about them, but I'm really trying to find something nice to say. So the only thing I've come up why? with... Why? Why do you feel like you need to say something nice about these two? I don't feel no, like no, I ever need to say anything nice about them again. No, no, no. It's not that I feel I need to say something nice about them. It's, I feel like I should, I, I I do want to go in, even though nine times out of ten, I don't enjoy their matches. But I want to go in with some form of positivity about it. And the only thing I can think of is that they obviously will take a lot of the the bumps first thing and they'll, you know, fly around for them, which is the good part. But to your point, the bad part of that is where's the, where's the drama going to be? Because they don't really, in my mind, and this is always a kind of, 50-50 things. Some people think they are the best in-ring psychologists that have ever existed. And really? then there's... Who? Who are these people? A lot of people, a lot of AEW fans think that. You know, a lot of AEW fans love them, but then a lot of people like us just don't resonate with, with that and don't think they have great psychology and don't, well, they don't buy into that. They don't have great psychology. The psychology is... There is no psychology. 
Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm the same you. That's how I feel about them. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe because I think the other thing is, say you're on, say you are a young bucks uh, fan or a young bucks supporter or follower or whatever, right? And that you are on that side of it. I think that the other thing about this that's difficult is that they've had so many since they came back. I can't remember when they came back after the the punk thing. I think they were back. I think it was actually November of 2022. I mistakenly said a couple of weeks ago that they'd returned in early 2023, but it was late 2022. Well, you can, didn't they come back at full gear and there was a graphic for them? And, and it was like a, they were they didn't return on TV in the build up. It was like there was a graphic, and they were like they I think they were they were in the trios title match with, with Omega or That's something. It. Was, yeah, they had the best of seven series if you remember. Yes, I mean it's actually easy to forget that. Yeah, because they were all the same. Uh, but they, so they came back at, at full gear twenty twenty two, and but then I feel like because even before all the stuff happened with Punk and, and things like that. I found the Young Bucks a lot more bearable because even though their matches weren't for me, I could, I, I was like, okay, it's not for me. It's fine. I can deal with it. It's on the show. But since then, I feel like they're, they're there, they do something, then they leave. They're there, they do something, then they leave. And it's just this kind of constant flow of them going away and coming back. And every time they come back, I think they do, I know this is very biased for me to say, so it's going to sound like I've not really got any objectivity here to say this, but I feel like every time they come back, they ha- they do lose a bit of their shine that they used to have okay. as stars. Do you know what I mean? Because they used to be fairly big stars in AEW. They were. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, feel- yeah. They, to me, they're totally past it. I mean, they are just so past it. I mean, they even are- when they came out last night, they, did, they didn't look They didn't look to me like... I mean, if you were to say to people who who followed AEW four year, three years ago, go, right, they're, you know, Sting's final match is going to be Sting and Darby against the Young Bucks, and they're going to come out. You would imagine that when the Young Bucks came out to sort of do that stayed off or they would do that moment that it would feel in, in in some way important that they walked out like but they were going to like a night of the Roxbury tribute night that's it they were heading to the bus stop you know after after getting a couple of kebabs at the takeaway yeah and you know I I mean to me the the to me the obvious answer for, for the final match would have been Sting and Derby against FTR. I've said that exactly. Yeah, well, you know, absolutely. That would have been. And had they been tag team champions, I mean, yeah, that would have been. I mean, I wrote about FTR in the alternative year end awards. Yes, you can read my thoughts in the next issue of the magazine. And you know, and I'm not going to say much more about them because I, I, I obviously yesterday was proofing the magazine, so I feel like anything I say is going to sound like I'm just. You know, go on the bandwagon if you don't. If, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. But you, people can so, imagine what is said. I mean, yeah, I mean, FTR as tag team champions playing Soul Heel versus Sting and Darby Allen in Greensboro in the main event. That's a main event, or oh, that would have been a main event. And Sting could have vowed to win the belts in his last match. And you know what? They could have won the belts. And you know what, Kenny? After <laughs> Sting and Darby had won the belts, you know what could have happened? They could have declared them vacant, and there could have been another tournament. We know Tony loves a tournament. Um... <laughs> I mean, look at all the boxes that would tick. I mean, just be just a box ticking exercise. I mean, the pen's going to run out of ink before you've ticked all those boxes. I mean, the thing is, though, here here's something for the young bucks. I mean, not that they really care or are interested in winning us over, right? But this no. is the prime. This is the prime. Uh, this is a prime thing that they could do to 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 turn tide. 
if they can go out there and do something with Sting and Derby that is measured and that is, uh, I'm not asking them to have a match from 1987 that you would see on Wrestling Challenge. <laughs> That's not the you know because I know some people might be. Well, would you want them to do just have some sort of Iron Mike Sharp match? No, no, that's not it. We're, but we're saying if there's because Sting, Sting's even when Sting does the crazy stuff, he still does it in the style of a match that has some psychology to it. That's and, it. There's some meaning behind what he does, isn't that? Yeah, and in his final match, you want to see. You know, I'm not. I mean, you're not going to be able to give the drama of you know Shawn Michaels telling Ric Flair, "I'm sorry, I love you" or anything. But there should be. You know, something where like Sting desperately wants to win this for Darby because you know he said it, he's his favorite tag team partner ever, and yeah. he just just falls short of that last second. But for that to happen, the Bucks need to be on the same emotional level, delivering the same level of you know energy to have that whole scenario play out the way that it should. And Absolutely, I-, I mean the Young Bucks need to become tag team champions between now and March third. I mean, that could, um, you know, add some, you know, sense of prestige to this match. Mm-hmm. And it would mean that Sting and Darby Allen had something to vie for. And there was a reason for this match to exist. So, you know, hopefully they will. I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, just for this match, you know, and, and to be honest, if I was booking it, I would have Sting and Darby win the belts from Young Bucks in uh, Sting's last match, and then, you know, do the tournament. We know Tony loves the tournaments. And uh, that actually would be, um, you know, justifiable grounds for a tournament. If Sting were to become champion in his last match, of course he he would have to vacate the belts afterwards. And then there would be a perfectly logical reason for the tournament to take place. Most of these tournaments happen for no reason at all, and then just never end. But that would be one that everyone would say, yeah, you know, we understand why this is taking place. Uh, and maybe then FTR could win that and they could, you know, make some progress after their dismal last quarter of 2023. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think... Because also what you kind of want in this last... I mean, but the, the thing with this thing the time, and I don't want to just shit on AEW the whole time but I mean I think they do deserve some culpability in this particular thing like Sting for example at uh, last week's Collision he was on Collision with Darby and they were facing the Workhorseman which obviously I'm not saying you should promote a match with the Workhorseman but you should have promoted this is Sting's last match ever in Charlotte and you could have sold that other 500 tickets that you hadn't sold for that event or 700 tickets and I don't understand why they've not went all in on the kind of idea of this is Sting's last play, last match in this city. This is Sting's last match in this city. Like, yeah. Late, because look at Revolution. Revolution is pretty much sold out with 15,000 people. Yes. So you could you could be getting, you know, if you've got a building that seats 3,500 and you've got 2,700 in, you could be filling those other 700 or 800 seats based on Sting's last match in that area. I would go. I mean, if Sting was coming to, you know, Glasgow, I mean, I know he's not, but you know, Sting, Sting's coming to the hydro. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, for the last time to see him in the ring. I mean, you know, if Sting was coming to Ashton Hall in La- in Lancaster, <laughs> I'd be there. There you go. You'd be there, but unfortunately, that's that's not what's happening. I but, mean, um, Kendall Leisure Centre. I'd be there for that as well. Well, we, we'll see if we'll see if uh, the guy who whoever's taking over from Raphael Morphy can get a. Can get an in on the on in Cumbria before Sting leaves. Uh, a lot, lots of kind of AEW base news today. Jeff Hardy put a 
an Instagram post up last night that I thought was interesting and worth a bit of conversation. He said he he basically put a graphic of last night's AEW Dynamite episode, which I have watched and I just thought it was a fun episode. But he wrote, "We the Hardys will not be appearing on this live show called AEW Dynamite. We the Hardys are stuck in the dimension of AEW Rampage." <laughs> My question is, do you think that the Hardys are worthy of? being on Dynamite, has Jeff got a fair point here or do you think that their performance is kind of what's landing them on Rampage? I mean, it's numerous factors, isn't it? I mean, there's obviously the Jeff arrest and then he had to go away for a long time and then he returned. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the Young Bucks losing their aura. You know, each time they have this, you know, cycle of him leaving and, you know, returning like six or eight weeks later or however many weeks um, they take off. Um you know, Jeff, when he returned last year, he just he didn't seem like a star anymore. I mean, there wasn't that connection there with the audience. I mean, clearly he needed to rebuild it. I mean, I don't think Matt should even be in the ring anymore. He looks like he's in a lot of pain. He looks like he's struggling. Um, you know, if you go back to 2016 and just how he reinvented himself, it's now 2024. And he's still doing this hybrid of that character he invented back then. Um, you know, and other characters he's played in his career. And they just feel irrelevant. They just feel inconsequential. Um, they are not they are not essential to each episode of Dynamite or Collision. And that is why they are on Rampage. You know, that is why they are stuck in that dimension. You know, this quagmire. Um, so, I mean, I think they could probably have one last run at the belts. Um, you know, they seem demotivated and understandably so. I would be as well if I were them and I worked for AEW. Um, but it's like, I think it needs to be a combination of factors. I mean, there needs to be some creative behind them that's going to give them a reason, um, you know, something to strive for and a reason for people to cheer them on, you know, in pursuit of whatever it is that they're gunning for. This just feel like the floundering. So I think a lot of, you know... It, it's it's in wrestling. Sometimes you can get yourself over. We know that this does happen, but I think when you get to the point that the Hardys are at, you need support and attention, and you need a helping hand from the booking team, and the booking team's led by Tony Khan, you know, who's you know not a creative person, you know, simply put, he just isn't. So I'm not sure what the way back for them is. Um, but it needs to be, you know, like a team effort to make them matter again. That's my opinion, Kenny. What do you think? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
Yeah, I do think it's a combination to an extent. I think the difficulty is if you're Tony Khan and you've got all these people on the roster. If I was Tony Khan and I had all these people, let's let's say you know it's today. I can't go back and change deals that I've made. I'm I'm here today. I don't think I'm featuring the Hardys on Dynamite to be honest, because I just don't think that they're they're up to par. So it's, it's in this weird position where you're right. They feel demotivated because they're not on Dynamite, but then Tony Khan probably doesn't think they're up to par to be on Dynamite. But then that. I would imagine, I don't know this, I would imagine Jeff Hardy's on a pretty big contract compared to Matt, I would imagine. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. When you think about it, when he came in, he was he was still hot. I mean, what a blunder he made leaving WWE when he was about to receive like a run with Roman Reigns. I mean, that could have been colossal for his career. And he then yeah, just but, but, but had, he, had he stayed, you know, if he had done what he ended up doing, getting caught in... Uh, a, a, scan, a scandal for stuff that he was caught for. Yeah, yeah, drunk driving. Drunk driving, yeah. He, he then would have been, you know, that would have looked really bad for WWE if he had done that in the middle of a run with Roman because they couldn't really Yeah, afford- yeah, he would have done, but it's also possible in that environment he wouldn't have done it. Yeah, true. I mean, if I was Tony Khan today, what I would do is I would find a way to split Jeff and Matt, not in a kind of a one turns on the other, but put Jeff on Dynamite and put him in a programme with someone of a bigger value and then with Matt you know Matt's a creative guy he has been in the past I would just say look here's here's the booking sheet for yourself try and come up with something we'll start it on Rampage we'll see how it goes if it gets over we can talk about moving it up to Dynamite and then leave it with him you know and and let him kind of write his own ticket but I think Jeff needs to be separated from him so because I think Jeff is on Rampage because the Hardys as an act are Stale. Yeah, they're stale. Stale, absolutely. um, Yeah, I mean, I I would, you know, I endorse that uh, proposal as well, Kenny. I mean, just said to Matt, listen, Matt, you're obviously in the late evening of your career. Why don't you try something new? Come up with a new character. You did it in 2016. You can do it again in 2024. This is your last sort of money run. Okay, they could go back to WWE, but they're going to be on the Legends Raw, aren't they? You know, once a year. Yeah. There's no way that WWE, I couldn't, I can't imagine the WWE would bring them back and actually push them as a in-ring act again. I just don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, Tony Khan should just say to Matt, listen, I don't have any ideas for you, obviously. You know, why not come up with something new and radical and reinvent yourself again? You know, yeah. can't blanch, just do what you want. Yeah. I mean, and, and hope, hopefully they do. I mean, the, the big story, though, Finn, that, that broke overnight, I don't know if you've had a chance to see this yet this morning, but involves our friend Mr. Jericho. And he... So it all started on the Jim Cornette podcast when Brian Last had said that there was a story that he wished he could talk about, uh, which involved... So basically he said, man, there is a story I would love to tell, but I didn't get permission but Jericho getting knocked out on his own cruise ship by someone he mouthed off to is the most incredible fucking story, but I can't talk about that today. That was what he had said. <laughs> but luckily for us, people are people are inquisitive in wrestling media, and we've got the story. So Cassidy Haynes, who runs Bodyslam.net, he had he had basically had the story confirmed that what happened was on Jericho's cruise in 2020. Jericho was knocked out by MVP. And oh, really? that's what that's what happened. And do you remember the story in 2022 where 
Jericho, there was a story that went around that Jericho had basically walked away from MVP and said, I don't fight jobbers. That story had no, come out. I, I don't recall this one now. So basically, there had been a story about AEW in Houston for Dynamite and MGF was staying, M- MGF, MVP was staying in the same hotel as Jericho and they got into an argument in the lobby and Jericho apparently at the time had walked away saying, I don't fight jobbers. But the story that uh, the story that Cassidy Haynes had heard was that Jericho was basically trying to get away from MVP because of what had happened before of MVP knocking him out. And that led to when he was in the lift or the elevator to basically, you know, shout out, I don't fight jobbers as, as he, you know, flees to his room. He fled. He flees to his room. So, you know, we've... I seem like a scalded dog. <laughs> So Jericho's not, you know, he, he was on Dynamite last night. They basically played his music through an entire brawl, so that they didn't, so he didn't get booed. Uh, I believe he didn't. I believe he actually wasn't getting booed that badly on the show, but they obviously, okay. I guess they, they felt they needed to do that. But yeah, I mean, this is not a, a great time for another Jericho story to come out for him, especially um, this one with MVP. No, no, definitely not. But I mean, what can I say, Kenny? Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> all I can say about Jericho. Um, I mean, it's funny because it, it feels like a, in a lot of ways, you know, we talked about other stuff last week, but it, it does feel like a lot of stuff is kind of coming out of the woodwork now about yeah. Chris Jericho. And Absolutely. I feel, I mean, if, if to me, if you're Jericho, you, you've got this podcast you do twice a week, do an episode and talk about this stuff. You know, talk about you know, the the fact that, you know, you if if in your mind you haven't done anything wrong at work, talk about that. Yeah. Um, talk about this MVP situation. Because everybody's I mean, if you don't talk about it, this is the story that's gonna be out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, MVP, you know, we know he's pre-wrestling, you know, lifestyle. You know, I he's a sturdy looking bloke. You know, he looks like he can handle himself in a situation. And it sounds like he did against Jericho. And, you know, MVP to me always comes across very level-headed. You know, I mean, obviously I didn't witness this episode or this incident between MVP and Jericho. So I don't know what provoked it, you know, what you know led to this KO. Um, but I mean, from what I, what I know about MVP, he seems pretty level-headed and that he probably wouldn't have um, done this unless he was you know, unless he'd received significant provocation. Could be wrong about that. That's just speculation. But every interview I've ever read with MVP over the last 15 years or so, um, well, maybe not 15 years, like like 10, 11 years or so, he has always come across really balanced because, you know, he obviously was involved in crime in his youth. Uh, You know, paid his debt to society and came out and realized that that was a very, very bad path that he was on. And was determined to turn his life around and did so. Um, but, I mean, what can you say about Jericho? I mean, hands down, the most obnoxious person I've ever interviewed in 32 years. Absolutely. I mean, his the way he spoke to me in 2009, I was just astounded by just how obnoxious he was on the phone when we did that interview. For, I think it was issue 189 of Power Slam. Vince was on the cover. And do you, is there is there a reason in particular? I mean, have you managed to kind of ascertain why you think? Because you didn't interview him twice before, right? Nineteen ninety nine. I didn't interview him in. I didn't interview him in ninety nine, and he was great. He was a joy. 
I mean, he was, you know, so accommodating and I can't say enough good about that version of Chris Jericho. And that was a very frustrating time for him. He was in WCW. You know, he'd been massively underutilized that year by the company. I mean, he was deeply, deeply frustrated with the way in which his career was going. You know, he didn't say in the interview that he was going to sign with WWF, but I knew he was going to. And he knew that I knew he was going (laughs) to. Um, you the know, unspoken a, agreement. Exactly. Very respectful. And I, and the guy back then in 99, you know, was, I can't say enough good about him. You know, he, he just gave us so much time. Issue 61 of Power Slam it was. I thought it was a terrific interview he gave us. Um, I didn't interview him in, I think it was late 2005. I think that was Anthony Evans interviewed him for Power Slam. And again, he was... You know, he gave us a lot of time. And um, I seem to remember Aunt Evans saying that he'd been, you know, he'd been, again, so accommodating. And, um, you know, he, he was, you know, just, you know, a pleasure to interview. That was my, that's my recollection of how Ant found Chris Jericho at that point in his career. Jericho pulls for a lot of photos for us. If you, mm-hmm. I think it's issue 139. The issue actually didn't sell very well, to be honest. Um, but I thought the interview was really good. And Jericho did a, a you know, exclusive photo shoot for Power Slam for that interview. So, you know, to the, to go from that, you know, those experiences with him in 99 and 2005, it would have been. And then, you know, for him to behave in the way he did in 2009, I was just flawed. I mean, I was really looking forward to that interview. And, um, you know, we started off by talking about Fozzy. Which I didn't. I got. I had no interest in his band Fozzy. You know, I was into the metal scene when I was younger. You know, to this day, still you know listen to that type of music. But I got no interest in Fozzy. I did not want to ask him questions about Fozzy, but I knew the brief. This this interview with Power Slam was happening because, um, because he was um, you know he wanted. Fozzy to be promoted in in the in the interview, so we had to talk about Fozzy in order for me to get the interview with him, and then potentially ask him some questions about pro wrestling. That was the conditions under which I um, accepted this interview, agreed to this interview, and um, so I asked him. I don't know how many questions about Fozzy in the in the magazine. Must have been six, maybe seven, maybe more. And I was respectful, you know, mm-hmm. about his band, and we talked about that. And then I just said to him, you know, are you willing to talk about pro wrestling? And he was just so surly. And like, just, he just didn't, you know, really just, it was like he wasn't interested in talking about pro wrestling with me. And I just found it really odd. Because he, he knew who I was. He knew he knew the magazine. He'd been interviewed about it twice before. The cover of issue 61 of Power Slam appears on the front cover of his first memoir a lion's tale i believe it's yep. called mm-hmm. so he's he was obviously aware of power slam so i mean i don't know i mean maybe he was made i mean no doubt i had not jericho <laughs> no doubt i'd not jericho in power slam i'm sure i had many times in the 2000s and maybe he was aware of that and maybe he was venting and maybe he took offense you know to my criticism criticism of him in his matches or segments or whatever um, I'm not sure why he was so bad tempered, and that's really the way to describe him. And um, yeah, it was it was just really off with me, just really off with me, and just really actually quite rude at the end. And I was yeah, I was I was kind of astounded 
by the you know by the way by by the whole tone of the interview it was um it was really yeah really really quite shocking actually and afterwards i remember feeling wow you know he he was really um I thought it was totally out of order in that interview. And I've heard lots of other people who've had interaction with Jericho over the years. And, you know, they report a similar sort of attitude from him, that he just feels like he's above everyone else, you know, in the world almost. And uh, just seems to be really arrogant and, yeah, unapproachable almost. And just not friendly and communicative and... You know, when you do an interview, you want that banter. You know, you know it is, Kenny. You've yeah. many, many people in your life on stage and, you know, over Skype or the phone or whatever. And, you know, you want to strike up that rapport, don't you? And there was just none between Jericho and I. And there had been previously. It's because when I first interviewed him in 2012, I got set up with him through Fozzie. And we did a half hour interview. And I think I did like five minutes in Fozzie, 25 minutes in wrestling. He was great. And I remember... We got in, we asked, we, we went to interview him in person right at the cat house in Glasgow. And you could tell he was really agitated at the idea that, you know, that, that there's these fuzzy questions and the wrestling questions. I don't know if that's because the people who set it up, you know, if, if he's, if he's just been like, look, I don't want to do wrestling interviews, I want to do music interviews. And then people are setting him up with wrestling people. But there's a, there's a miscommunication somewhere. And, he was not. He was not great in that interview. But then, you know, obviously we've done two tours with him, and he's ended up being good um, because now I kind of know him, and he kind of knows me a bit. But I, yeah, I, I've had I've had one of those interactions as well, and it's it's not ideal. I mean, there's some people who you get, and they just they're they're great, and they're always great. And there's yeah. some people who you get who sometimes they're great, and sometimes you know you, you don't know what you're going to get, but. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, Jericho had been around long enough in 2009 to know how the game is played. Yeah. And this was a wrestling magazine, he knew the name of the magazine, he knew who I was, and he knew that after I'd asked, wrestling, after que- asked questions about the band, he had to know that I wasn't interested in the band, that I was, that in order for us to promote Fozzy, he was also going to have to talk about pro wrestling. So, I mean, he had to know that. I mean, it's an arrangement, isn't it? It's a bargain. You know, if you do this one thing, then you get this other thing in return. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, he was, he was, um, yeah, he was just rude and he was just bad tempered. And um, I was, yeah, I was really, I was really taken aback by the way he spoke to me, Kenny. You know, and I don't consider myself to be a shrinking violet, Kenny. No, you're you're far from that. Well, listen, before we go, I do want to ask you one last thing. The the Twitter sort of back and forth between Tony Khan, Jinder Mahal, and everyone else this week was 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 kind of mad. Um, you know, Tony Khan was talking because basically what happened was Raj Giri, who, who used to own Wrestling Inc., he had tweeted out something about a photo of Seth and Jinder from Raw and had said they actually do have history because Seth defeated Jinder to become the first NXT champion back in the day. And then the USA Network had had replied to Raj Giri saying, yeah, but what about the cage match rating? Which obviously well, is something... It was, yeah, it was a joke, wasn't it? It was yeah. mocking Khan, wasn't it? Mocking Tony Khan. And Tony Khan, you know, and there's part of me that does respect that he just doesn't really give a shit and, and just kind of comes back. So he decided to come back at this and said that you know gender's not had a match in a year and 
you know, Jinder's not in a match in a year and hasn't won a match in a year. Yeah, hasn't won a match in a year, and now he's getting a title shot. And then somebody had kind of, and then where, where is it here? Um, let me get the exact verbiage here because uh, then somebody came back to Tony Khan and said, "Well, you know, Abaddon just got a title shot after being off AEW TV for a year." And then Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan started going at it, and Bischoff said, "You know, <laughs> is is this is this true, or are you just a bot?" And then Tony Khan said, "No, not true at all." Abaddon returned to AEW, and they won a four way match on, T- on TNT against other wrestlers. Turn title shot was completely different than someone going a full year losing every match they're in and getting a title shot without a win. And then at the same, so and, and Tony's whole thing apparently was that there was an online outrage about Hook having a TV match with Samoa Joe. Yeah. Which I don't really understand, because I just think that's a fine for a TV match. I don't really know why people are getting so annoyed about it. But at the same time, he was saying, why is there so much outrage about Hook having a match with Samoa yeah, Joe? And- he, was, he was double standards. That was Tony's point, wasn't it? Yes. He was saying, you know, Hook's like 28 and 1. He's won all of his matches, and he's going to get a match with Samoa Joe. Gender's getting this title match on TV, and he's won nothing, but yet nobody seems to care. There's double standards. And then that's when Bischoff started getting involved. And I mean, Tony actually did have some good rebuttals to 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 Eric Bischoff when he said, you know, reading would be your friend, Eric, which was uh, which was, was was about the Abaddon thing. And then Eric Bischoff started going back at him, and then Tony Khan like responded with a photo of Joan Collins, <laughs> the eighties, saying, "Go away, you miserable has been." And then Bischoff retweets that with a photo of Bischoff on Dynamite from 2020, but it says in his lower third, groundbreaking exec. And Bischoff says, groundbreaking, miserable has been. Um, and then gender's, gender's tweeting, who the fuck is Hook? And then Hook's tweeting, who's gender? Um, so, I mean, everybody got some pretty good zingers in on it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you kind of just have to laugh, right? Because it's all a bit mad. It is. It's like a bunch of school kids, isn't it? I mean, squabbling in the playground. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. It's like, or, or at best, a bunch of like geeks on some forum, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, flaming each other, you know, just like blasting it. That's it. You know, it's like, ah, I've got you with that zinger. You know, it's like, you know, that's it. You're, you're finished after, you know, that put down. You can't come back from that one. And I just don't know. I mean, maybe this is what Twitter or X was invented for, Kenny, for people to engage in these, you know, <laughs> sort of futile sort of arguments. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, if everyone's amused by it, which they were, then I guess in the sense, what's the harm? I mean, I thought Tony Khan looked, I mean, he did look kind of a bit like a dweeb, didn't he? Just bringing this up. I mean, to me, the real winner here was Jinder. Because it's led to a groundswell of support for Jinder. Don't hinder Jinder. I mean, look at this. Between, you know, the segment with The Rock on the day one Raw, you know, and Tony Khan promoting him on X. I mean, Jinder Mahal has never been more popular in his entire career, Kenny. Never been more relevant. I mean, the thing, Jinder actually does have banter. You know, because the whole thing, I mean, I remember in 2017, and I and obviously we'd been podcasting. And I was ripping the guy, yeah, to absolute shreds on the podcast. And I go to the SummerSlam press morning, and there he is with the belt. And I'm going, like, I can't, 
I can't do an interview with him and not mention it in some way. So then I go, I say to him, I said, listen, I've not, and I said this to him in person and he, he, I I don't think you would ever have another scenario where I would say to the WWE world champion this, but I went, look, I've knocked you on the podcast a bit. So, you know, you should have a go at me on when we're on, you know, just sort of be like, oh, you're not happy that I'm the champion. And if you go back and watch that interview, I roll my eyes at him and he like kind of rips into me and goes, oh, you're not happy that I'm the champion? You know, you're not, you know, a gender supporter. And then we ended up, I ended up getting asked by people at WWE to do a sit down with him. And we had a whole back and forth thing. And he was a great sport about all of it. He was really good fun about all of it. And um, yeah, I think he, I don't want to say he won me. Oh, he did win me over. He did win me over actually, because he was, he was willing to have a laugh. You yeah. know, and there's a great moment where if on one of the videos where he, he hands me a toy belt and tells me that's the closest I'll ever get to a WB belt and he thought of me when he saw it. Um, <laughs> you know, so he was just he was up for up for a lot of fun with it. So I think that yeah. he he's not I mean, Jinder Mahal is not under any illusion that he is a main event superstar. Like he's that's not right. Yeah, he knows his place, doesn't he? He knows that he was in over his head when he was champion. He has to know that. Yeah, and he and he, but he and he, and he understood, and you know the whole thing of him even saying, and it, he did have to take down the message that said "Who's Hook," because I guess somebody told him, "Look, don't engage with it or whatever." But yeah. you know, enough people would. We all saw it, so we were all able to go. Okay, he's, he's having a laugh. So that's uh, it. I mean, he's got a sense of humor, and you need a sense of humor. And that's the thing that Tony Khan. Well, one of the many things that Tony Khan lacks is a sense of humor, and I think that's very important. You know, we all need that to. To get ourselves through the day. So, yeah. um, but you know what? If, yeah. if, if Tony Khan's going to be the, the, I find Tony Khan on Twitter quite entertaining when he has these kind of sassy comebacks and stuff. But to me, if that's the way that you are, be that in these media interviews, because now nobody watches these media interviews because he never actually gives an answer to anything. Yeah, he just you know goes around in circles. But I'd respect him much more if somebody went, oh, you know, what do you what do you think of? Um, I mean, obviously, he can't say about TV deals or whatever, but like. If he said, if if somebody asked about punk, just have him go. Oh God, don't start, don't start me. I can't, I can't go into it. Like, just give yeah. us something where you feel human, rather than just kind of going. Appreciate the question, but you know, I think you should just tune into Dynamite tonight to see the best wrestlers in the world, and blah, 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 you know, give yeah. us something else. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you've, you I mean, you've got a, and I think you know, sense of humor and making light of things when it's appropriate goes a long way. Yeah, and I think you know, people, more people would warm to him as a person and a promoter, if he did that in public. Yeah, 100%. Oh, well, can, I, can I just, can I just, sorry, can I just make yeah. one correction there? Yes. I said that Chris Jericho was the most obnoxious person I had, I had ever interviewed. That was true in 2009, but obviously Vince <laughs> Russo took that title in 2023. So that Chris is Jericho is the second most obnoxious person I've interviewed in 32 years. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the Russo thing. I mean, in some ways, I'm I'm glad it happened because you know we got to see that he's actually not. You, I mean, there's there's loads of people. Even I mean, I know Bischoff was kind of short with, short with you over the question about you know where were you in the nineties or whatever. But you know, he was giving you the answers. He was going right, okay, I'll, I'll answer you however I feel like answering you. And you had the back yeah. and forth. But with Russo, it's like he hung up a call because you wouldn't agree with them about modern wrestling that, that really didn't have much to do with him. You know, oh, it's, yeah, wild. Let's, let's not go into it. 
I mean, I, I mean, I had so many, I had so many really interesting questions for him as well, and um, you know, obviously he hung up on me. <laughs> he left he, the meeting, and he probably would. So, he probably would. He probably would have actually, if he, if you, if he had done the full interview, he probably would have come out of it looking quite good. But the I, fact think that he so. wasn't. I think so. Yeah, I mean, some of the questions I had for him were obviously challenging, um, but there were some really complimentary ones as well. And I think it's a real shame that we didn't get to that. And, um, you know, but hey-ho, that was uh, the way it was. But uh, no, I just wanted to mention that, yeah, Jericho, at the time, in 2009, yes, the most obnoxious person I had ever interviewed, but Vince Russo now holds that title. Yeah. And the weird thing is, if you look at guys like Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff, they've, they've made a lot of money off of doing podcasts where a lot of times they have to talk about their failures and they have yeah. to and they have to at least talk about them. They may not admit to everything or I mean they don't admit to much at all, but I mean it's entertaining, <laughs> it's entertaining. Whereas with Russell, he instead what he did was because you know Conrad Thompson's a pretty good guy to kind of have a jab here or there. Yeah. If if they're trying to sell their their special blend of, of BS. Yeah. But Russo instead has put himself in his own little island where he can just say what he wants with nobody ever challenging him. Yeah. And, you know, in life, I think, if whether it's your friends or your family or your work colleagues or whatever, putting yourself in a scenario where you can just say what you want and nobody can ever challenge you is a really dangerous place to be, I think. Because Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You lose, you lose clarity. Yeah. It's like, I'm a god. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know don't you dare question me. And um, I think, you know, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good for you. And it's certainly, you know, it's not good really for your audience either, because they're not, they're not hearing or seeing the best of you because you're not being challenged. No. And also that's all the time we got for today. I thought today was one of our best podcasts we've done in a while, actually. Just lots of good discussions. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And um, we'll be recording an overrun for Patreon. We're going to go through issue eight of Power Slam with Shawn Michaels and a glorious mullet on the cover. <laughs> and, um, and we'll be doing some questions that didn't quite make the mag. So do go check him out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. And of course, you can pre-order issue 41 of Inside the Ropes magazine with the rock on the cover, the hoops that were jumped to make this cover happen. Um, <laughs> Which uh, was very funny, but yes. um... <laughs> wish we could tell you more about that. But uh, we probably better have. But we better probably better just keep our traps shut on that one. Yeah, let, let's just uh, discretion is the better part of valor, is is the phrase. Uh, but yeah, thank you for all your support, everybody, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.